feel like God knew that he could use me more if I were blind, if I had some type of handicap that he would, you know, be able to use me more. Maybe people would be more open to hearing my music and listening to the lyrics and listening to what I have to say coming from someone who they view as handicapped. I'm not really handicapped. There's a few things I can't do. I can't drive, but there's a whole lot of people out on Nashville's highways that shouldn't be driving that are. But God knew that I could serve him better going out on the road playing and singing and being in the studio. And, and so to put me in a place where I could glorify him more, he decided not to give me my sight. Now, am I happy with that all the time? Not really, but this is the hand I've been dealt. And God doesn't want us to just sit around and say, well, I'm just gonna keep praying until God opens my eyes and then I'll get out there and do what he wants me to do. So we've got to take what God's given us and serve him the very best we can with, with what he's given us because he knows, he knows all the accessories we need to get out there and do what he's called us to do. He's not gonna call you to do something and then not give you the tools you need to get it done. You're listening to the Refraining Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Hi, my name is Colleen Swindoll Thompson, and I am so excited for you to meet a dear friend of mine, Mr. Gordon Moat. Gordon, welcome to our interview time together. Hey, this is going to be fun. I heard Gordon for the first time on the, actually on a CD that he was playing for with Brad Paisley, which <laughs> I love. <laughs> awesome. I won't, yeah. Well, Gordon, you have quite a history. First of all, let's tell our audience your wife is from Frisco High School. That's exactly right. She went to Frisco class of 88, uh, when they were the fighting coons. Uh, they're not fighting coons anymore, but I do have a fighting coons baseball cap. I'm not gonna tell who gave it to me, but I do have one and I, one of my prized possessions. But we have a lot of friends uh, in Frisco. Actually, uh, for anyone who lives in that area and you're from the Frisco area, you'll know that Rick Reedy for a long time was the superintendent of the Frisco schools. Yes. And uh, Rick um, uh, and Judith are very, very dear friends of ours. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Kimberly lived with them for several years while she was in high school. Really? And uh, they are—they—they they are just—I I don't have words to describe how special they are to our family and how special they are to all the folks in Frisco. And uh, they're both still doing great work. Rick has just recently retired. Although Rick will never retire, he'll always do all this crazy stuff. And of course, Judith is serving in a church. And uh, so they're a very sweet family. All three of their children are working in schools and, uh, you know, making a difference in kids' lives. And uh, so uh, the uh, the apples don't fall very far from the trees uh, in the uh, Reedy's case. But anyway, we have a real soft spot for Frisco, Texas in our hearts. And uh um, glad to be on with you. Well, you have quite a story, Gordon, and it started at birth, and that is that you and your brother were both born without sight. That's true. Fill me in a little bit on that. Was there any awareness of that for your folks before you all were born? No, not at all. And uh, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, when uh, Michael was born, my younger brother, uh, they kind of traced back um as many generations as they could. Of course, things aren't near as complicated or scientific or advanced as they are now, right. but they were not able to find anything that would, um, you know, make them aware of the fact that we could have something wrong with our eyes, nothing in our family's history. Hmm. Uh, but uh, Michael and I both were born blind and uh, uh, but we didn't let that stop us. Uh, Mom and Dad were always very encouraging, always wanted us to try everything, um, never said, oh, you know, you guys probably can't do that. You probably shouldn't try that. 
they had the good sense to let us try and figure out if we could do it or not do it. And sometimes I think we did a lot of things that they didn't think maybe we could do. Um, but they were always very encouraging and um, just always on our team. And uh, I, I'm so grateful to mom and dad for the way uh, they raised us. There are so many parents who, when they find out something is different about their child, don't know what to do and have a sense of fear. And it doesn't sound like that was there for you at all. Well, I'm sure that, you know, mom and dad had their fears, you know, they never let us know about it. Sure. Uh, you know, as a parent yourself, uh, you have, a, you know, fears for your children. You know, I know parents out there certainly understand what we're talking about. I know as a parent, I always, you know, worry about my kids and when they try things that maybe, maybe isn't something in their <laughs> gifting or maybe, you know, whatever yeah. the case. But, you know, you don't ever let your kids know that or you, at least you do your very best not to let them know. And, and in our case, mom and dad really always uh, cheered us on and, you know, said go for it. That is incredible. Well, I found out you were raised in rural Alabama mm -hmm. and you're one of the first mainstreamed children or students in a public school, which is fabulous. That, that was uh, uh, a wonderful man by the name of C.C. Davis, who recently passed away. But he was the superintendent of the Gadsden City Schools. Uh, grew up in a little town called Atala, Alabama, which is uh, right there next to Gadsden. Anybody watching us in Alabama uh, will know that's in northeast Alabama, about 65 miles east, uh, northeast of Birmingham. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was a very special man who had the foresight to realize that uh, blind people could uh, and needed to be able to um, be in a sighted world and make it in a sighted world. And uh, so uh, he laid the groundwork for us uh, to mainstream in the public school system. How and, was that experience for you? Well, you know, I didn't really know anything different. I mean, I started mainstreaming in third grade uh, you know, I learned Braille and learned how to read and write Braille in uh, kindergarten, first grade in, in the uh, Alabama School for the Blind in Talladega, Alabama. So once I got to third grade, I mean, I knew how to read and write Braille and I knew how to do all those things. Um, they had a teacher who was a blind teacher come in and she was the person who would translate everything for us. If we wrote it in Braille, she would read it to someone who would write it for us as far as our tests and those kinds of things and would grade our papers and, and, and those kinds of things. And as we progressed in school, you know, we learned how to type on a computer. Yes. Uh, of course, I learned how to type on a regular typewriter. <laughs> I did too, but don't tell anyone. We're not that on. old. <laughs> and then those Apple little uh, Apple computers, uh, you know, before our MacBook Pros. Yes. Um, those little Apple computers that we would use but anyway, uh, and, and then on in college, we, we got to take advantage of the technology that would take typed text in print and translate it into Braille so that we, we would have someone whose uh, notes were really good in a class and they would translate those notes. Someone would type them on a computer and then the, the Braille printer would print them in Braille and voila, we had notes for our classes. That was a service that was provided to us. Uh, I went to Jacksonville State University, so did my brother. And then after three years there, I transferred to Belmont University. But if it had not been for the groundwork that was laid for us to mainstream into public school, it would have been much harder for us as blind students to go to an all-sided college and keep up. And that groundwork that they laid has made it possible for many, many blind students to, to mainstream uh, since then. You know, I should say that we didn't have all of our books in Braille. If we had books in Braille, sometimes they would be an earlier edition. And so we couldn't follow along with the class. Sometimes our books were on cassettes, but try and find page 145 on a cassette tape <laughs> to be, read your homework. That wasn't easy. Uh, <laughs> what did yeah, you do? <laughs> we were kind of pioneers, you know, as it were. We were on the Oregon Trail, you know. And now with, with the internet, and computers and whatnot, anyone can get on using uh, different programs that talk for the blind. I use JAWS for Windows. J-A-W-S stands for Job Access with Speech. JAWS for Windows. 
uh, I use a PC, but I also use a Mac too, and like my iPhone. Now my wife just texted me and said that Samantha's just going in for her uh, little uh, X-ray at the chiropractor. So see, I uh, and I use Voiceover on the iPhone, um, and everybody's iPhones or iPads uh, has Voiceover. It's in the accessibility settings. So. You know, the world is slowly making things available for blind people and other uh, people who have different impairments or whatever, but you got to take it. You can do, you know, virtually anything. You can find any piece of information. You can pretty much do what any sighted person can do now that computers can talk. It's amazing. Now, what you did leave out humbly is that you graduated cum laude with honors, I would say. Congratulations. Well, well, you know, uh, I just, uh, <laughs> I always say, you know, my wife graduated magna cum laude and I graduated <laughs> thank the laude. So, and my dad says he graduated laude, how come? <laughs> yeah, right on. Yes. Well, you know, I'm, for, I'm fortunate. I had some great teachers and great mentors along the way that really helped me. And, uh, but I'm not in any hurry to go back to school. I'll tell you that. No, I don't think so. Tell me a little about your experiences. Were there any bullying experiences or were there, um, because that's a very big tag word right now is bullying. Did you face any of that? Yeah, I did. I did face some of that. And uh, I, you know, sometimes I think it was just because I was different and they didn't really know what to do with that. And I think sometimes because of my ability to play and or sing, you know, whatever, um, there was some jealousy maybe, and they just had wanted to capitalize on something. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there were a couple of people who, uh, were kind of bullies, if you will. Uh, we didn't know to call it that then mean, uh, really hateful, uh, hurtful. Um, but you know what, that, that, that was not the majority. I had a lot of friends growing up in school. People were for the most part, very kind and, you know, I got to just, you know, be a part of what was going on. And, and uh, um, that was a very small percentage and, and uh, it didn't really leave any lasting scars, but I did, I did write a song, a, a song on my new record called Broken Open. And it kind of tells a little bit of my story about being a teenager and not feeling totally accepted, trying to find my place all teenagers go through that, whether you're blind or sighted or, you know, pink or po po polka dotted or whatever. Right. All teenagers go through that. I have two teenagers that are, they have tons of friends, but I'm sure there are moments in any teenager's life where they're just trying to figure out who they are. I think there's moments in all of our lives during all of our ages when we think. Oh, sure. Where no doubt about that. But I remember thinking, man, you know, all my friends have cars and hmm. You know, I feel like I'm kind of the third wheel and, and sometimes, you know, I, I'd go with my buddies a lot, but sometimes I, I didn't get invited for whatever reason, uh, but we've all been there too. But, you know, I would always think, man, I, I, you know, they're probably just sick of me holding on to them or, or whatever. But I think it's made me more sensitive to my two teenagers and what they must be feeling from time to time, trying to find the right friend group. And of course, like I say, both of my teenagers have incredible friends and whatnot. But like you say, at all ages, we all go through those times where we're just trying to figure it out. And so that's where the song came uh, from, uh, the song Broken Open. Uh, I love the hook. When my heart was broken, it was broken open. Now I'm much more open to the way other people feel, uh, the loneliness that can come uh, from lots of different, uh, for lots of different reasons. God brought me through all that. And uh, I have a wonderful wife, uh, Kimberly, uh, to whom I've been married 22 years. Yeah. Uh, we have three children. I've got two teenagers I just mentioned. Parker uh, is 14, a freshman in high school. Matter of fact, he just got back. You may see him here in a second. Uh, they're doing two-a-days this week. Oh, uh, no. And uh, right before I, we got on this uh, interview, uh, he said, Dad, I caught a touchdown against the varsity today. Yes! And, uh, he's pretty excited about that. And then my my baby girl is 17. She's a senior. Her name is Samantha. 
and she'll be going off to college next year. And then my little one, uh, Ashton, is six, and he'll be in first grade. Now, you mentioned loneliness, and you've mentioned also in your bio how I think it was Andre Crouch who wrote the song. I have I have so many lyrics here. But he yep. talks about, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been many times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me consolation that my trials can only make me strong. What did that process look like for you? Because you just mentioned bullying. You've mentioned you made it through. But what are some tips, some ways that parents can help their kids see the positive side? Well, that's that's tough because we we just we live in a fallen world, you know. I mean, I've had my kids ask me, Dad, why do people do, you know, fill in the blank? Yeah. You know, because we've had some interesting things, you know, our kids are at a Christian school, but I think people at a Christian school maybe are even more hateful than they are at a public school sometimes. Um, yep. People are just people. We are all uh, sinners. We, we can't help it. We just are. I'm not sure that we always know the right thing to say. Hmm. I think a lot of times it's just being there for them hmm. to talk to. I think uh, mom, mom and, and dad always had my brother and I in church. And so we knew that uh, we knew who Jesus was. We knew Jesus on a personal level. We knew that if we had questions, a lot of the answers could be found in the word. We knew that he promised to always be with us, never forsake us. We, we knew uh, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We knew so many of those wonderful promises that I still hold on to today, hmm. cling to today. Um, but I did have doubts. I was so, I didn't know if I'd ever have a family, Colleen. I didn't know if, if there would be a girl out there who could love me for me. And even though I was blind and I couldn't drive and I couldn't do this and that, although I'm very independent, there's a lot of things I can't do. And I was unsure. I was concerned. I had doubts that I'd ever have my dream of being a father and a husband. Uh, you know, I had, I had, uh, uh, my, I dreamed that I would be able to make a living and, and support a family, but uh, then I wondered, would I ever have a family to support? So I did, I did go through some, some tough times, but mom and dad were always quick to point us to the Word of God. They were always quick to, you know, encourage us to have our quiet time and to, you know, make sure that we had had a relationship with Christ to where we did pray and we did ask for his guidance and his, uh, you know, uh, all, all the things that, uh, that you, you know, that we need God to do for us. He wants to do for us. He, he wants to be our best friend in the times of trouble and trial. And so I, I think, you know, you can tell somebody, oh, if, if I were you, I'd do this and this is the way I would handle it and everything's going to be great and this is going to, you're going to get through this and this is going to be awesome. But I think until, you know, you, that's really hard for someone who's really in it to hear that from somebody. Yeah, yeah that, I, you kind of want to hit them at times yeah. when you're in the uh, middle of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the best thing that people can do in that situation is just let you talk yeah. and just let you get it off your, you know, get, get it off your uh, heart and just, just let you talk just to listen and encourage you and pray with you and be your buddy and take you out for coffee and, just let you vent a little bit, you know, whatever, whatever the case, friends are so important and friends were important to me when I was growing up and they still are. I have a very close knit bunch of friends and when things are tough or when, you know, things are good, it doesn't matter. I know that I have certain people that I can go to that I know will pray for us, that will give me good counsel and that will just let me vent. Yeah. Uh, but the song through it all does still mean a lot to me. And in my concerts, I tell people, Colleen, that we all have an it. No matter yeah. whether we're in ministry or we're not, no matter what we do, whether we teach Sunday school, or we work for, you know, a factory or if we're, if we're a soccer mom, it doesn't matter. We all have an it. 
But the good news is that God is bigger than it. Yes. And whatever it we're going through, he promises to get us through. So that's good. Sometimes it's hold on it's hard to hold on to that. You know, I looked up Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and reading some of the commentaries. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for a future and a hope. And in the context, the commentaries have said it's that it's God's purposes, which are for good. Mm-hmm. There, there can't be anything but a positive purpose. That's right. In that it, even though we can't see that at the time. Uh, I promised a woman that I'm connected to on our blog. She has three children that are blind. She is... Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all musical, and there was a woman who had asked a question on our blog, and I said in response, they were going through a period of suffering. They were in an it position, Yeah. and it made it reminded me of the, the uh, verse in Romans 8 where he says, the whole earth groans under the weight of sin and the weight of our universal condition. Yeah. Which isn't that what we come back to. There's nothing yeah. that, nothing else but to say it's the condition we're in. Fallen world, you know. Started yes. with it, and it hadn't gotten any better. But the good news of the gospel is that uh, over 2,000 years ago, he paid our price. Hmm. And yes, we still have to pay consequences for the world we live in. But our sins are forgiven. And uh, we always have to deal with choices that we make and that other people make, and they're not fun. Hmm. And sometimes it's not our choice at all. Sometimes it's just life. It's just, you know, there's nothing that you can do. Uh, there's nothing you could have done to make your child not a handicapped child in a lot of, in most cases. That we just live in a fallen world, and and God has a purpose. I have no idea what that is. I get asked the question all the time. Why do good, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't have any answers. You know, we'll, we'll all be able to ask those questions, I'm sure, when we get to heaven. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to care. You know, there's an old song that said, we'll understand it better by and by. You know, yes. that's true. But I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time asking God, hey, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? I think we're going to be so glad to be there and and worship him that that we're not even going to be worried about all that. You know, that's interesting because I've been asked that a lot. Why with all these good people do these bad things happen? And then with people that on a human level, we would say, well, they're, you know, we would judge as less than or bad, Mm. whatever. You know, why does that happen? Well, in God's character, in his all consistent nature, if he were to interfere with one Right. Problem, then he would, in his consistent nature, have to interfere then with all of the problems. And he promises us our hope, which we cannot see, is in heaven. It's not here. That's right. And that's hard to, to deal with at times, but at the same yes. time, that's all we have to hold on to. Yes, we want it to be better right now. Right. I'm, I, I want to be patient, but Lord, would you please give me patience now? I stopped praying for patience a long time ago. <laughs> yes. yes, that's how badly I need patience. Scott, could you give me patience now? No, don't pray uh-uh. that. Don't, don't, don't. Right. He answers that one. Tell me about a time in your life, Gordon, where you really wondered, what is my purpose? I know you have had music, but where there was a sense of loneliness and isolation, what did that look like? I think I was kind of, when I... When I left Alabama, when I left Jacksonville State and I came to Nashville, you know, I was, man, I was alone, you know, I was in this big city, you know, I, I was at Jacksonville State before, but I was an hour from home, you know, 45 minutes from home. If I, if I really needed something, mom or dad could be there pretty quick. But being up here, being in a big city, being at Belmont, it's pretty, you know, a good size campus, but I didn't know anybody. And I came up here to just jump in because a great producer, Jimmy Johnson and Muscle Shows, who produced The Stones and Bob Seger, lots of stuff. He heard my music and he told me, he said, son, uh, you're really good, but you are a whale in a little fish pond. He said, you need to go to Nashville. You need to go to Belmont where everybody's better than you. And in a year or two, 
maybe you'll be better than all of them. He said, but the only way you'll ever get better and have a chance to do this on a big scale is to move to Nashville. So I did. I was scared. I was so scared. Were you just and terrified? I was. I was absolutely horrified and because I didn't really know anybody. But God and his great love for me and knowing that I was just trying to follow his will and all that gave me some friends right away. I was able to um, to be part of a group, you know, to be part of an ensemble at Belmont called Image. It was a contemporary oh. Christian ensemble, and I did a lot of programming, keyboard programming for them, and, and I sang with them. And, and, of course, when you're part of a community like that, a group, then you can make friends. You know, you've got some built-in friendships. You've got to work at it, but, you know, you, you have some people. And, and as time went on, uh, you know, I was able to make friends. And I remember the first birthday I spent away from home. Uh, my that first year I was at Belmont and everybody was for whatever reason everybody went home for that weekend and I didn't have anybody to hang with on my birthday I'll never forget it, it was so funny uh, that I that I still remember that and not that birthdays are a big deal to me even they're really that not that much but that particular year because I didn't have anybody to hang with it kind of made me sad more sad than normal well yes uh, and and I remember thinking man and I'm having to listen through the static to this Alabama football game. I can even barely get that today. You know, uh, that, that, was a, that was a big deal moving away. We didn't have internet and didn't have satellites at that time for radio. So I had to listen through so much static just to try and hear a little bit of the Alabama games. Uh, that was a big, that was a, as big a deal as anything, mm -hmm. trying to hear the Alabama games from, uh, from uh, Belmont. That was horrible. Seriously though, um, you know, I got through that time. You know, God really helped me because I had to really depend on him. I remember every morning before I would go to my classes, you know, I would spend my quiet time and I'd just say, you know, Lord, you 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 know that I don't really know that many people, but I, I want I want friends and, and I want to fit in and I want, you know, and so, you know, yes, that was a tough transition for me, moving to a big city not having some of the things I had at JSU, like the, the Braille printer and being able to get notes like I did. And Belmont wasn't, wasn't geared for blind students so much. I was the first blind student that ever came to Belmont. And the, the, the second one was Jenny Owens, for any of you Christian Incredible. that love Jenny. I remember Jenny calling me at my house. Somebody gave her my number and she called and she, she was asking about my Belmont experience and and my seeing eye dog, I had a seeing eye dog at that time. And, but yeah, I think that's probably the most isolated I ever felt was when I moved to uh, when I moved to Nashville all by myself. How did you get around? I can't imagine because it's not been a part of my experience. You had a seeing eye dog. Yeah, Atlas was my seeing eye dog. He was a yellow <laughs> lab. And uh, the summer before classes, we came up and we had a mobility instructor that just you know, for like a month and a half, we just, every day we walked the campus and we just really? learned, we just learned it. And then once we figured out a class schedule, we just walked it every day, went to the music building. We walked it, walked it, walked it, learned where all the room numbers were, we learned, uh, you know, and that was a tedious process. So if you think about it, not only was it scary not to know too many people, but you're learning the very best you can how to get around a strange campus with a dog that's learning it. And that's all you've got, you and your dog against the world. You know, that's the way it felt at times. How did you not sink into depression or discouragement? Or did you? No, I really didn't because I didn't have a choice. You, huh. know, you know, I had to make this work. If I want a family, if I want all those dreams, I've got to figure out how to make a living. Yeah. And Nashville, coming to Belmont, that was, I had to figure out how to make it work because I knew that was my only shot to really be able to make a living in the music business. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I could do. As a kid, I always dreamed of being a studio musician or playing live on the road with some artist or, or whatever didn't know how to really make that happen. You know, in rural Alabama, 
there aren't really any recording studios that you can go to and, and see. Are there any restaurants? No, I'm right. kidding. Well, there's yeah, not good ones. Uh, top of the River. If you ever go to Gadsden, Alabama, you have to go to Top of the River. It's a seafood restaurant on the river, and it is fabulous. Okay. Just fabulous. But I'd be hard-pressed to think of a lot of restaurants there that are really good. You know, I, I, I'm so... There are a lot of kids here in Nashville or parents that live, you know, close or even friends I meet on the road, you know, I'm able to help them, you know, like, hey, why don't you come to the studio and check it out? Or why don't you come sit on a recording session? Man, I would have died if I'd have had that opportunity as a child or as a kid or a teenager or young, even, you know, in college. But until I got to Belmont, we didn't really get to do that kind of thing. Now, my brother and I made two albums, one when I was eight and one when I was 10, uh, in Nashville at Hilltop Recording, um, which is still here, by the way, up north of town. In Madison, uh, it was kind of funny. The first time I played a session that I got paid for at Hilltop when I started being a studio musician. <laughs> which was last week <laughs> when you started getting paid. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But... But I knew to, to, to make it work, I had to keep my head above water. And so sometimes that was easier than others. But, uh, you know, the great thing about Belmont was that's where I met my wife. Mm. And uh, so we started dating in November after I came in August. And uh, good things happened. We, we uh, got engaged shortly thereafter and then got married. Uh, we got married while I was still a student. Um, I was a senior at Belmont and we got married and I was still, I stayed in school one year, I graduated. After we got married, we lived in the married housing and you know, I, I worked and went to school. I played, I accompanied a lot of students in the music department, played piano for their voice lessons and their recitals. And I worked uh, for a show choir from Vanderbilt University, did a lot of arranging for them and programming, keyboard programming for them and accompanied them. And so I did whatever I could while I studied to make a living and Kimberly was a waitress in a restaurant, you know, and, and uh, I, it'd be hard for me to tell my kids, no, you shouldn't get married while you're in college. Yes, it was hard, but I wouldn't do it any different. Really? Now, Gordon, you just said one of your fears was not to be able to have a family. What was that like to enter the, wherever y'all got married, a church or a cathedral <laughs> or a, an outside place? What was that like? Well, I think it was a big deal for not only for me, but for my parents, because they knew how badly that's what I wanted. Yep. And they knew how blessed I was to have a girl who didn't care that I was blind. That's not what she thought of when she thought of me. She knew that there'd be things I couldn't do. And yet she was still, you know, the love that she had for me and the love I had for her was much stronger than any of that. And so I think they were so, uh, just so, felt so blessed and <laughs> probably relieved. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Here, get him out of the house. But yes, but um, yeah, that was a pretty special moment. And I got to be honest with you, I don't take her for granted. I, I, I really try not to. I'm sure that, I'm sure that, that uh, I take things for granted sometimes, but I, that is one of those things that I'm so thankful for every day uh, because I have a lot of friends that maybe they're married, but they're not happy in their marriage. A lot of musician friends of mine, yeah. you know, when I get through at the studio, I want to go home. I want to yeah. go home and see Kimberly, hang out with yeah. the kids. And I don't want to go out for, Hey, let's go to dinner or Hey, let's go get a drink or Hey, let's go blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's not me. I want to go home and see my family. And so I'm grateful. I know how lucky I am, how blessed I am. And uh, so I don't take that for granted. As a mate, what qualities does she have that offer you the support you need? Because there are a lot of times where in the marriage, there's a competition or they work against each other. So what is it in her that you find, what character qualities um, all of them. <laughs> she, uh, she is such a great mom. Mm. Uh, she's such a supportive wife. I know that she prays for us when we're on the road. She is, she's proud of what I do. 
She's an incredible singer, and I wish that she traveled with me. But, you know, her, the thing she wants more than anything to be is a mom. Mm -hmm. And she, she wants to be a good wife, and she believes that being the best wife to me is being the best mom she can be to our children. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that travel homeschool, and she doesn't feel like that's her calling. Mm -hmm. She knows that that is a calling, but that she doesn't feel comfortable in that. But she, I mean, she cards our kids around. Well, you know, being a parent, you know, you got kids going here and kids going yep. there. We've got athletes. We got, you know, people that, uh, you know, Samantha's involved, so involved in school with, with uh, journalism. And she's uh, the head photographer for the yearbook. And, you know, she's a great musician, singer. Um, then Parker is football player and baseball player and Ashton. It's got the things he does. He played baseball this last year and he's, I mean, they're all just going in different directions and she's just, she's super mom, you know, sure wow. dinner's on the table, even though she's been in the car all day, you know, and, and of course she's got to take me to work too when I'm in town. <laughs> You're one of the kids. Yeah. Am I making you tired yet? <laughs> when uh, are we going to get there, Kimberly? <laughs> yeah. Samantha is driving now, so that helps some. Good. But um, seriously, Kimberly, she is so positive, you know, even when things get tough and I'm really worn out or just feel, you know, she's the one that's building everybody up. You know, she's our cheerleader. She's pretty fantastic. I, I, I wrote a song for her some years back called If They Could See You Through My Eyes. And I realized that a lot of people that see me in concert uh, will never get a chance to meet her. Uh, but if they listen to the lyric of the song... How does it go? Well, the chorus is, uh, if they could see you through my eyes, they would know where the real beauty lies, deep inside your heart, who you really are, if they could see you through my eyes. Um, I recorded it back in 2005. It's on my first vocal record called, if they, uh, no, what is it called? Uh, There's No Place Love Can't Reach. That's what it's called. And uh, we also did it on... Um, uh, a Gaither, uh, several Gaither videos. Did it on the Give It Away video, and it's yeah. also my best of Gordon Moat DVD that the Gaithers uh, did. So a lot of people know that. And, and, you know, Colleen, when I wrote it, I thought, and this just be a song from Kimberly to me, uh, me to Kimberly, and I, I just thought it'd be a song for the two of us. And I didn't really realize how it would touch so many people all around the world uh, because truly, um, we see our mate different than anyone else does. The, our mate sees us and we see them. We see the good, the, the bad, and the ugly. In Kimberly's case, there's no bad or no ugly. It's all, it's all fantastic. We see them like no one else does. And what makes that song so special is if so many people say, well, oh, your wife is so beautiful. You, I wish you could see her. Well, I wish they could see her like I do. And. Wow. Uh, so that's why that song, I think, is so powerful. Are, are you sitting where you could just play the chorus for us? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I, I'm, uh, let's see. They could see you through my eyes. They know where the real beauty lies. Deep inside seem to really love that song and be able to grab onto it as their theme song and uh, so I'm grateful that God gave me that but I'm even more grateful that he gave me uh, a woman to write it about well tell me about um, the inspirations for your songs first I have a couple things I want to say you have been well your first solo album came out if they could see you through my eyes or if if you could see if they, if you could, if you could hear what I see, was the hymn record that they exactly. Was Why don't we just try to start that all over? But it earned an a Dove Award nomination for Instrumental Album of the Year, and then in 2011, you were honored with the Diamond Award 
our favorite instrumentalist, and just released the second CD in 2013. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, I have six vocal CDs and three instrumental CDs to my uh, credit now. And um, like you say, the first one came out uh, quite a few years ago. Um, I wasn't even traveling full-time on the road at that point. That was just something we threw out there. Uh, Spring Hill, the Green Hill Company, uh, the gift market wanted to put that out there and nobody thought it would do what it did. Uh, being nominated for a Dove Award was cool. I always tell people it was cool to be nominated, cool to get to go to the awards, but I knew we were going to lose because we were up against Passion of the Christ and Jesus always wins. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know he does. <laughs> but we're we're blessed, and like you said, the, the new uh, the new CD's been out uh, not quite a year yet, but it's called All Things New. I love, I love, I love it. And there's a song on it that I want to mention. On the Other Side of Time. Yeah, yeah, that's on uh, Don't Let Me Miss the Glory, which came out a few years back. That's a, <sighs> that's a real special song. I wrote that with my friend Chaz Boussarge, and... You know, uh, that, that song, that song's special. I meet so many people in my travels who are, you know, have special needs children and uh, I'm attracted to them and they're attracted to me, uh, those kids. You know, I always feel like I want, I wanted to have a song that would encourage the parents. Mm. The kids are as happy as they can be. Right. Oh, so they really are. Right. Uh, Hey, we were too when we were kids. Uh, we didn't know we were different. Uh, when we, we started figuring it out when we were running into walls and other kids weren't. But, uh, you know, we were happy. Um, but I just felt like I wanted a song that would encourage the parents. Yep. And when I, when I see parents uh, with children at the, at the shows that may have some type of special need, I always hug the parents, too, and say, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing them. Yeah. And... Uh, because the kids love it. They love the music, you know. They, 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 they love to be able to worship in that way. Uh, music is such a, such a powerful way to communicate. And, uh, yeah, it's a universal language, isn't it? Well, that's what people say, and I really believe it's true. I mean, yes. we've been all over the, the world. Yep. And, you know, people don't even have to know your language to get the meaning of a song sometimes, or at least it seems that way. Yes. Uh, music is pretty powerful. Uh, but, you know, I wanted, like I say, I wanted to have a song that would just encourage the parents. And uh, the, the bridge for the other side of time says, there's no guarantee that life won't be unfair, but the debt this life owes us will all be settled there. On the other side of time, uh, broken things are healed and empty things are filled as we stand in heaven's light. On the other side of time, it's more than just a dream. Children laugh and sing, uh, and everyone is free. There's perfect peace uh, on the other side of time. I, I think that's a message that we all want to hear because we all have questions. You know, we've all lost a loved one, or we've all there's we've all lost something that's dear to us. Or we've all been through a situation what, that we didn't think was fair. Or we've all known someone who maybe uh, things didn't go quite the way that they hoped it would. Uh, and, and it was really uh, destructive to them. It's not, it doesn't have to be just about a child who has special needs. That's, where, that's the place I wrote it from. You know, and there, there are people that have lost babies. Like the second verse says, some are like stars that brightly shine, only these other glimmer for a while. You know, a light fading in the dark, an unfinished work of art, and we'll never know just what might have been. But there's a distant place that's never known a tear. Skies are blue and rainbows never disappear on the other side of time. I just wanted to beat, write a song that has hope, you know. Uh, hey, all our questions aren't going to be answered down here, but on the other side of time, it's all going to make sense. You bet it is, and I'm so glad that it is. And it sounds like you have an attitude that's positive. You choose to take risks, which is enormous. And a lot of parents, their own fears hold their children back. You're right. And you doesn't sound like that was your situation at all. Now, our good friend Buddy Green, I talked with him the other day. I have a little surprise. What? 
Sweet Rufus. I, he, I have a little surprise for you, Gordon. Tell me about it. He wrote you a little note. And oh. Yeah, he's telling your secrets, pal. Oh, dear. This is what he said. Gordon Moat, he is one of the greatest piano players this town has ever produced. His studio work alone is legendary. Having played on countless hit records over the last 20 years, he was voted Piano Player of the Year by Academy of Country Music for several years running. On the Gaither Tour Band, I've been fortunate enough to have Gordon backing me up in the band and can only say that it doesn't get any better for me. I've never played with a more tasteful, exciting, and original musician than Gordon. And then there's his singing, fantastic vocal chops, and a soulful delivery that never fails to satisfy. He is a great hang on the road with, a, with an incredibly quick wit and more funny stories than you can shake a stick at. When he mimics Porter Wagon or Lester Flat, <laughs> it's all over. Besides all that, he is a dedicated husband and father, a rabid sports fan, a loyal friend. I am so glad to know Gordon Moat. Wow. Uh, that was from Buddy. I, I have Buddy's mailing address. I'll mail him that hundred bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> I already sent it. You don't need to. Nice. Good. Hey, all there you go. We're working together. Well, well, Buddy's pretty fantastic, too. Don't get any better than Buddy Green. and You get him and Jeff Taylor together. Uh, it's, it's, uh, boy, Katie bar the door. Well, they're on the cruise, I believe, right now. I think they went yes. on this cruise. They are. They are on a cruise. I'm so jealous I want to be on that cruise. But next year, you are going to be on the Insight for Living cruise, too. Very excited about that. I have to tell you, and I, I, I think I told you this off air, but um, when I used to work, um, I, I used to be in radio years ago while I was in college. I always loved radio. I had a transmitter. Somebody built me a transmitter when I was little, and I was just hooked on radio. Loved to listen to it. Loved to listen to all the DJs and all the jingles. And radio is just—I love it. Yeah. Uh, but I remember playing your dad's <laughs> daily radio program, Insight for Living, uh, right before I would go on the air. We had teaching in the mornings at the station I worked at. And uh, he came on right before my afternoon drive show started. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, so I listened to your dad many, many, many times and have since then. And, but I've never had the pleasure of meeting him. So to get to work with him on this cruise and to be a part of that uh, is a dream come true because I've always wanted to meet him. Uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be really great. And uh, the people at Inspiration... Uh, yeah. They're, they don't, there's nobody does it any better. No. Uh, and I can tell you that because I've been on other uh, cruises right. and uh, Steve Dick and all the people that work along with him, it don't get any better than that. And so if you um, want to have a great time and be so taken care of and everything done the, the right way is uh, the best they know how, um, you you get on this cruise and it, it, it'll be awesome. Anything that Inspiration does, um, Steve Dick and his staff, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. I don't know how they do what they do. But not only do they do it, but they do it with such integrity and they do it to the 100%, man. It's yeah. just fantastic. And I love Steve Dick with all my heart and all the people that work with him. And uh, I'm always happy to be affiliated with them or whatever it is they're doing. Well, one of the things I want to add to that, Gordon, I don't know if you would know about this because you don't have a child with autism or with disabilities, but there is an organization, I think it's the only one, called Autism on the Seas. Mm. And for our audience, I want to talk to, that, to them about this because they have coordinated with cruise lines. I've told Steve about this. They've coordinated with cruise lines and will work nine months in advance with families to help them prepare from the packing to preparing to letting the cruise staff know to put, arranging special diets. And they will even send a specially trained person with the family on the trip. And it's not just cruises, but they have started with cruises. So in our show notes, I'm going to add autism on the seas. My friend Mike is 
fabulous. And he said, you know, these families don't ever get to go out and enjoy vacations. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make it possible. So there may be some kids coming to see you because they've provided that. That is fabulous. That is outstanding. And I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know that that existed. Uh, But that, that is wonderful. I find that a lot of times there are things that exist that can help people, but it's the awareness that is such a problem. People just being aware of the different organizations that are out there to assist them in some way. Uh, So I think a lot of times it's just helping these organizations um, get some press and make sure that people know about them. They're doing such great work, and I'm sure that not only would people love to know about them so they could take advantage of that, but there are probably some folks out there with a big checkbook that would uh, say, hey, you know what, I could, I could believe in that. That's something that, you know, that I think God uh, would, would smile on if, if, I, if I got behind that and put my money where my mouth was. So um, I'm glad to know that that exists. That's great. It is fabulous. Now, you've been working with Mc, Martina McBride, Alan Jackson, Rascal Flax, Josh, Josh Turner, Carrie Underwood, who both of my sons would like to meet. Oh, but I think she's already married. Never mind. Brad Paisley, Cheryl Crow, and Lee Greenwood. Dude, you're getting around. Well, I, I, those are a few of the people that I've had the pleasure to work with. I've worked with, I've just been so blessed to be able to work with so many sweet people. You know, uh, on this, on this uh, latest, on my latest album, I had a bunch of my buddies. You mentioned Josh and, and Cheryl and uh, guys like Matthew West, Scotty McCreary. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rucker, guys like came in and sang on a song of mine called Do You Believe in Love? Really? And that song is such an important song to me because I feel like it it's so much easier to invite someone to church or share scripture with them if first we've loved them. If we've loved on them, if we've shown them a smile, if we've given them the time of day and not just been so forceful with, hey, you you gotta come to church with me. Uh, or let me tell you what the what the word says. That's all great, but I feel like we will have their attention much more, and it'll go much deeper if we love them. Because people want to, they just everybody wants to be loved. Yes. And uh, I think we can love somebody into the body of Christ a lot quicker than we can talk them into it. I think you're exactly right. In fact, I think the less words we use, sometimes the better. No doubt about it. It's all about showing them the joy of the Lord that's, that, uh, you know, we should hat wear it on our face um, so that others can see. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and in, in working in the studios a lot, people see my good days and my bad days, but they know where I stand. They know where my faith lies. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I was talking when, when uh, doing the Gaither uh, homecoming series and touring with Denver, mm-hmm six years or so, I had occasion to be on television quite a bit. So a lot of the singers that I work with, it's funny how many of them watch those videos. You really? know, uh, I, you know, and you just, you know, how would you know unless they told you? Right. But I was working with, I finally got to uh, work with George Strait on this last record of his. I had never worked for him before, uh, but he was like, man, I saw you on TV the other day. <laughs> yeah. So all those guys, they love gospel music. I, I was uh, hanging out with Trace Atkins, working on one of his records. I don't know how long it's been, but I've done quite a bit of work with him. He actually sang on my new record, too, with a vocal band on a song called Down by the River. And, really? Uh, Trace said, all I've ever wanted to do is sing bass in a gospel music. <laughs> you know, so many people love, you know, love gospel music. So as we said, music is a powerful thing. But they know where my faith is. They know... You know, when I like to laugh and carry on, hey, if God's people can't laugh and have fun, nobody should be able to. Yeah. Uh, because we have so much to be grateful for. Um, but uh, I think we can, you know, we can, if we love people, oh, man, it's a whole lot easier to tell them about Jesus um, because they know that it's something we've experienced on a personal level. So. No kidding. You have also, well, I'm, I'm anxious to hear about this song now that you mentioned it it wasn't in my notes because i didn't know that you'd done this song can you give us a little jingle for it just kind of to introduce it i'd like to hear a little bit of it which song is that the one that you just mentioned about do you believe in love yes 
Yeah, it's uh, uh. Tell me everybody you believe in love. Do you believe in love? Yes, I wanna believe. Do you believe in love? Tell me you believe in love. people leave i hope they're singing yes i believe in love oh my Make gosh i cannot i mean gordon that's incredible how well, do your fingers do that i, I don't know i i, I don't know what i'm doing i'm just having fun i think that's incredible well you know there are some people who are watching this who believe in love and they believe what you're saying but they're not in a place where they're necessarily believing God's going to follow through. What kind? What do you have, or what kind of words do you have for someone in that place? You know, I think we've all been there. I think we've all doubted. You know, we know we know what the Bible says. We know we know what God's promises are. But sometimes we think, well, it, it, but is that for me? You know, what I need some proof. I need God to show up right now. Yeah. And I think that's where we as Christians need to be real. Um, real cautious not to judge and not to say well if they really believe they wouldn't have that problem oh my gosh uh, you know but, but I think that's where we need to be real sensitive yes and try to be aware of our surroundings and be aware of those people that are around you know that are around us that may be really struggling with something and maybe that's how God wants to use you maybe that's how God wants to use me I know there have been times in the past I had no idea that one of my friends was going through a tough time, I just happened to mention something and they happened to mention something and it kind of opened up my, oh, okay. That's why he's been acting a little bit, uh, you know, differently. But um, I think we as Christians need to be really aware of who's around us and just ask God, hey, you know what? Through your Holy Spirit, speak to me and let me know what I can do. Help yes. me to be sensitive to what's around me. I think that's how God can use us to, to be his instruments, to be the be his arms that encircle people and say, hey, you know what? I know you're going through a tough time. I know you're waiting on God to do something miraculous. I know that you that you lost your job six months ago or two years ago, and you're really discouraged. And But you know what? I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to pray about this with you every day. Not only am I going to say, not only am I going to pray for you, I'm going to, I'm going to go buy you a gallon of milk. There gonna, you go. I'm, I'm gonna go buy your groceries at Publix or Kroger. I or love it. Shop. You know, I'm I'm gonna. So I think you know a palpable way. You know, uh, I was so proud of our boys. We had a family that that ran into some real financial hardship, and they had to get out of their house. And so this family couldn't afford movers. Well, the whole football team showed up and helped them move. That's at, all. That's it. That's, that's the way you do it. Do you believe? Yes, I believe in love. You there know, you go. That, that's how that song can be. That's what I want people. I tell people every night, I don't want this just to be a cool song that you turn up in your car. I want this to be an idea. I want this to be something that we all take from here and try and do better. Yes. Because if we could love on each other better, our churches would be so full 
Yeah. We have a place to put people. How have you responded to the questions, I'm sure, that come along? Because at the end of James, where he talks about if there's someone in need, pray, and God will bring healing. And I know I was talking with Johnny Erickson Todd at one point, and someone said, well, you just need more faith. And blah, blah, blah. Sure. How have you responded in a way that, well, how have you responded? Well, you, you throw know, a brick at him? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you, you just say, you know, I, whatever God's will is. If I feel like, in my case, I feel like God knew that he could use me more if I were blind, if I had some type of handicap that he would, you know, be able to use me more. Maybe people would be more open to hearing my music and listening to the lyrics and listening to what I have to say coming from someone who they view as handicapped. I'm not really handicapped. There's a few things I can't do. I can't drive, but there's a whole lot of people out on Nashville's highways that shouldn't be driving that are. But God knew that I could serve him better going out on the road, playing and singing and being in the studio. And, and so to put me in a place where I could glorify him more, he decided not to give me my sight. Now, am I happy with that all the time? Not really. But this is the hand I've been dealt. And God doesn't want us to just sit around and say, well, I'm just going to keep praying until God opens my eyes and then I'll get out there and do what he wants me to do. So we've got to take what God's given us and serve him the very best we can with, with what he's given us because he knows, he knows all the accessories we need to get out there and do what he's called us to do. He's not going to call you to do something and then not give you the tools you need to get it done. Right. So that's what I tell people. I say, yes, do I want to be healed? Absolutely. And yes, God is so capable. Yeah. But I want what God's will is, and we will all be healed yeah. to get to heaven. There's a song on my latest album called The Other Side. And yes. The, the second verse talks about the blind man who will yes. open his eyes, and the first thing that he sees will be the face of Christ waiting there with open arms to welcome all his children home. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, heaven is going to be an incredible place um, and we'll all be healed. We'll all be made perfect. But until that time, we are to take what we've been given and take what we have not been given and serve God the very best we can. Well, I happen to copy off the lyrics to that song because they are so powerful. And yes, on the other side of the, on the other side, the homeless have a mansion of their own. On yep. the other side, the widow no longer walks alone. On the other side, the lame run down the streets of gold. On the other side. On the other side, the blind man will open up his eyes. Isn't that going to be great? It's going to be fantastic. And the first thing that he sees will be the face of Christ waiting there with open arms to welcome all his children home. On the other side, there are no goodbyes. Every heart will be unbroken, every tear wiped from our eyes. Oh, our sorrows ha have no grip here, and death is left behind on the other side. That's right. You want to finish the song and sing it on the other side? My wife sings this sec this uh, last verse. It's beautiful. Uh, She's got an incredible voice. I know. I tell people all the time, she's the real singer in our family. I, she knocked it out of the park when I heard it. I know, but I love I love what it says uh, on the other side of mother who uh, lost her child at birth will hold that precious baby let go of the hurt oh how she's waited for the day she will see that little face Yeah.
every heart will be unbroken, every tear wiped from our eyes. Oh, sorrow has no grip there, and death is left behind. On the other side, we'll sing a brand new song. to it about every day actually Gordon I'll tell you that right now as I drive home from taking John to school oh, really? uh, I hear it and I just I can't wait for the other side because there'll be parts of my own son that I will know that I can't know on this side exactly. um, I want to thank you so so very much for taking the time to share your heart and soul with us. I love how positive you are. In our show notes, of course, we're going to include your CDs and how they can connect with you. Gordonmoat.com is the easiest way, and we're also on Twitter at Gordonmoat. We've got a Facebook page uh, you can like, and uh, I love to hear from all of you out there, so please uh, feel free to email. You can email right from the website. You can check our concert schedule, and uh, Come see me in concert. We're adding dates all the time, so always be checking. I do want to say to our audience as we close, I'm sure that there are so many different emotions. Gordon, you have such an incredibly mag magnetic spirit, and sometimes it takes that to bring someone um, to a place of hope. Yeah. And I want to ask for those who have watched or who are listening through podcast. If there has been a question or if there is something that you are struggling with, perhaps it is discouragement or perhaps it is fear to let your child go and try new things. Perhaps it's wondering if you will make it to the other side of whatever you're facing. Please connect with us and also with Gordon at GordonMoat.com. Thanks so much, Gordon. Have a great afternoon. All right. Thanks. You can find the show notes and referenced resources in the podcast description or on our website, reframingministries.com. If you were impacted by today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you rated and reviewed the podcast, shared it on your social media, or share it with some friends who you think would be touched. You can email me personally at reframingministries@insight.org. If you'd like to be updated on Reframing's activities and content, please feel free to subscribe on our website. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.